Cold Storage is a podcast where each episode we pick a different story from the long history of comics and dissect and review it for your listening euphoria. Join us as we stumble our way through some of the most important storylines mixed with some of our favorites. Enjoy. storage i'm spencer and i'm callie we're about to record our fourth episode we, yes man of steel yep uh man of steel by john byrne uh seminal series from the 1980s which now seems like they do all the time but this was kind of a big deal when it happened right yeah when it came out it was uh you know kind of like a uh dark knight returns if you will but for superman yeah, uh, nowadays, dude, they reboot a, he- a hero like every three up ep- three issues, right? But, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Back then, this was like this was like the first big one that they did for Superman. So, yeah, they really changed him, and uh, we'll go into that here in a little bit. So, what you been uh, reading? What you been up to, dude? So lately, um, man, I've been on a buying spree of three uh, D comics. 3D, huh? 3D comics, yeah. Hey, welcome to the 1950s, bro. I know, right? <laughs> so I picked up uh, Captain 3D. I also picked up uh, another. It's like a battle in 3D dimension. I I, I can't remember what a it's battle called. Battle for a three-dimensional world. That's what it's called. Yeah, thank you. Both of those were Jack Kirby 3D comics, yep. right? Yep, Uh The first one, Captain 3D, was 1950 what? 53. 53. Yep. And, the last uh, year before the code. Yeah, dude. And then, um, yeah, then the Battle for a Three-Dimensional World was 1982, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I had already had the Battle for a Three-Dimensional World. Me and Kelly have a kind of a Jack Kirby rivalry, right? Yes. Where we try to make each other jealous of what we got. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I'd already had the 3D one uh, from 1982, but mine didn't come with glasses. And I, and I was always a little bit bummed. And so not only did both of Kelly's have glasses with it, um, Callie was nice enough to buy me a pair of glasses. You're welcome. Like original ones, dude, from the original comic book. Yeah, well, it was from it was from the eighty, uh, yeah, eighty two, nineteen eighty two one. Yeah, so yeah, well, so it went with my comic that I already had. Right. I'm not rich enough to own the nineteen fifty three one, but dude, we aren't all Mister Manager, dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, I pulled out my uh, old uh, Valiant Vision. 3D. Oh yeah, dude. And then uh, I purchased uh, an an X Men Uncanny X Men 3D. It's a reprint of X Men number one, or of not X Men number one, but and that's new, right? Uh, it's newer. Newer. Yeah, yep. And uh, so those those four, and I'm trying to think if there's anything. Now that's just those four right now. So where else do you go from here, dude? What other 3D books can you get? I don't. I'm sure there's something else out there. I just haven't really looked into it. Is there I, more Captain 3Ds? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was just the one I one thought it might have been a series, but <clears throat> I don't know on that for sure. Uh, yeah, so if any of you guys have any um, 3D comic recommendations. Dude, this guy, he loves um, gimmicks, man. So I love gimmicks. Yeah. Hollow foil covers, let us know <laughs> if there's any of those too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have been, uh, I went through a little hiatus um, on buying stuff off of eBay, but... Lately, I've stepped up my game again, and I've been getting uh, 
I just been filling in spots where I was missing in my Jack Kirby collection. Got a couple of Devil Dinosaurs this week. Leaves me with only three left that I got to get oh, to have the whole run of that. And I filled up my OMAC run this week, which feels good. Those are pretty easy runs to get because they're relatively cheap, and and uh, there's only eight of them. So and I think there's eight Devil Dinosaurs too. Um, so yeah, those are pretty easy to get and pretty cheap. What I'm jealous of is your uh, Forever People number one. Oh yeah, that's not here yet, yeah. but. Yeah, Forever oh, People way. number one is the first uh, actual like visual appearance of Darkseid. He he first appeared in Jimmy Olsen, uh, but they were just talking about him. From what I understand, is that right? Do you know? Uh, from what I understand, yeah, that's exactly. Uh, but like the first one where he had played a big part was in Forever People number one, and uh, yeah, because of that, it goes for like a hundred bucks on eBay all the time. So I found one that it's missing. A big uh, part of the cover. <laughs> Somebody cut Superman out of the cover. Um, but it was cut pretty cleanly because the title and everything is still intact. And everything else is still intact. So I'm like, dude, this is the only way I'll ever own Forever People number one. So I picked it up. Well, with Superman missing or not, I mean, I'm still jealous of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Make it be known. Yeah. All right, dude, that's good. Yeah. Right, yeah, I might have to, like, print out the cover and just put it behind so like yeah. when you look at it, you can still see Superman, Superman. in it. Yeah. You could like glue it with Elmer's glue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I should just tape it right on. Yeah, <laughs> I should just draw him in myself, dude. You should on top of like the first the opening page. Yeah. Um. Anything else, man? No, I mean I. Nope. Uh, I've been I I bought a few other books. Um. But nothing noteworthy. Nothing interesting. Well, um, so I got Walt Simonson's uh, Thor run where he introduces um, Beta Ray Bill. Stay um, tuned for a future episode on that. Yes, indeed. Um, Mr. Miracle uh, is coming out soon, so I'm picking that up via Tom King. You mean the the trade, right? The trade, yep. And uh, is it hardcover that you're getting? I don't think they have it available in hardcover yet. What? I think it's only softcover. Why wouldn't they put that out in hardcover? If it's hardcover, I bought the hardcover. That would be stupid if they didn't put that I out think in hardcover. I think it's just a, I think it's a, a softcover. And then they dropped the ball if they that's did. the case. But I think you might be wrong. Um, and then, yeah, I, there's a few eBay purchases I've made. Um, mo- a lot of Jim Steranko I've been picking up. Mm. So a lot of like uh, agent uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nick Fury stuff. Um, I've got a hard on for Jim Steranko right now. Oh, do you? Yeah. He was a handsome fella, man. He was handsome. Oh, he yeah. is handsome. He's still handsome. He's Mr. Miracle, dude. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on with the show. So as we mentioned, uh, this episode, we're going to be re- reviewing uh, Man of Steel, um, the miniseries, the six-issue miniseries. That was done in 1986 by John Byrne. Um, he was brought over from DC basically to revamp Superman uh, post-crisis. So, Crisis on Infinite Earths, they changed everything, and they needed somebody to take on Superman after that. Right, so they basically got rid of the Silver Age Superman, which actually was uh, closed out by Alan Moore on uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Um, and we see him no longer be Superman. And uh, I think it was a, I don't know how many years. I should check fact check that. You but, should uh, have even started that. Series. Yeah, sorry. 
<laughs> but after Alan Moore's uh, story, then uh, John Burns brought on. So he did the um, artwork. He did the pencils and he did the story uh, where Dick Giordano did um, the inking. Yep. And uh, so um, book one starts out in Krypton as any uh, Superman origin story stood, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Yep. Um, and, uh, you see some differences from what, okay. So basically before this Superman had the craziest, most insane powers. And, and if you want to see it, look up, uh, the comic that Kelly mentioned, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Um, it's they basically before this pre-crisis, they could just make Superman do basically whatever they wanted to. Like he could, um, you know, he had all the, like the frost breath, the heat vision and stuff, but then he could also make a miniature version of himself. Come out of his hand. hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he couldn't pick up his yacht or so he sent right. this miniature version of himself out to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and prior to this, there was, um, like, uh, you had crypto, you had Superboy. He was Superboy. Um, so you could read the Superboy comics, which was him growing up as a superhero mm-hmm. already. Um, like hanging out with the Legion of Superheroes, you also had um, Streaky, yeah. So crypto. Streaky, well, yeah, Streaky. We already said Crypto, but you had the um, Bottle City of Candor, oh yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, this thing kind of erases all of that. This storyline erases all of that. They say that Superman is the sole survivor from Krypton, right? So there's no General Zod. There's no any of that stuff, um, which is interesting because they wanted to really rein it back in. And that's what Crisis was all about. They thought the stories were getting too out of control, and they wanted to rein it all in, right? Right. And eventually all that stuff was probably put back in place. Like, anything that we're going to read was probably reversed within, like, you know, (laughs) five to ten years. Yeah, back to being undone. Right. Um, And so, you know, it's one thing when we were talking about this off-air, how, you know, this Superman was depowered and, and a little bit less powerful. And the thing is, is I never thought of him that way because this is the Superman I grew up with. So being that he's a Superman I grew up with, I only knew him to have these powers. Um, whereas like the Silver Age, um, you know, like Spencer was saying, I mean, they swapped heads with lions and, and a bunch of other crazy stuff. And um, and with that being said, um, you know, giving him all these powers, um, it um, they were able, yeah, reining him back in. <laughs> I'm gonna ring you back in right now, Kelly. You should. Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, one of the big things that they changed on this is that um, it's always been understood that Superman was born um, on Krypton, and then he Krypton was about to explode, so that he was. So then he was sent back, sent to Earth, to live among the humans. Basically, um, in this story, he is actually. Um, not born yet they don't they don't have birth like we do um they have these birthing chambers right where the man um jacks off into yep right and then the woman flicks her egg into it (laughs) she sprays her eggs all over it (laughs) and uh then and then this baby stays in this chamber basically the whole time so this chamber it's actually similar to when they did the uh man of steel movie right yeah it was called man of steel right yeah so yeah there there was like these like birthing pods just right. like the, yeah. The, yeah i didn't realize that until just now actually that they took that from this storyline um but basically they shipped the birthing pod off to earth as krypton was about to explode and so superman was technically born on earth and so he was 
a true citizen of Earth. And to me, I think that was a really cool idea. I think it was polarizing at the time, but to me, that, because people liked the fact that he, before that, people liked the fact that he was this alien or whatever. But the thing is, it didn't take away the fact that he was an alien. It actually, to me, made more sense because why would this alien care about this planet that he's on so much? But because he was actually born there, he was a citizen of Earth, it, to me, that me, makes a lot more sense of why he wanted to defend it so much. Right, and that's why he cares about Earthlings more. And uh, with his the parents that he know, that he knows, you know, they are, they're human. And so uh, to relate, I guess to make it more relatable, uh, quote-unquote, um, making him born on Earth makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so, um, and then... Um, you see in this book, um, so that's like basically the prologue. Um, when the story starts, you see Clark Kent playing football, and he's uh, for his high school team, and he's like killing everybody. I think the score is like sixty-six to zero or something like that. So he's. Uh, I listened to an interview with John Byrne, and John Byrne's main thing is that uh, Pa Kent basically had told him. Make sure that you're the second best um, so that nobody ever knows that you're Superman or that you have these powers. And there's one part in the while he's playing football, after the game, they win the game, he says, I did so good, right? I was almost as good as... And then somebody cuts him off, meaning that you know, there was presumably somebody that was just better than him and he was trying to stay under uh, under that. Um, so, but then, like like you've seen in the movies and things, um, his dad is a little bit wary of it because he came too close to just maybe giving away that he's a little bit more special than other people. And so, yeah, Pa Kent pulls him aside and uh, shows him the, st- the spacecraft that uh, he came in and explaining to him that he's the baby that they, he basically came as a baby that they were praying for because they couldn't have children. Yep, so... Uh... In um, as you as he goes on, you see him uh, decide to help people, and his mom is cl- collecting these newspaper clippings. And uh, one thing I thought was funny is that Pa Kent is talking to Ma Kent, saying, "Aren't you worried? What if somebody breaks into our house and sees you saving all these clippings of like these disasters that Clark has helped prevent?" And then she said, "Well, all they would see is an old lady that likes to keep newspaper clippings of disasters that almost happened, you know, because because nobody's seen him up till now. He's been able to do it basically in the shadows, right? Right. And so nobody knows why this bridge didn't fall, or nobody knows why this train didn't crash. And so he decides that at this point, um, he's going to leave to go um, help others. And so he leaves from Metropolis. Now, one thing I noticed too when I was reading this, the way that time passes." Um, time passes in this story completely different from issue to issue. Um, some issues it'll be a couple years and, uh, you know, one, one issue will be, you know, a matter of, of days. Um, so I, and I really like the way that they played with time. Yeah. At the time when this is being released, it was released every two weeks. So, um, there wasn't a lot to put in between the issues to really explain, kind of what was going on it was more like it felt like john byrne was trying to make up lost ground by fast forwarding some of the things that were happening well i think instead of necessarily rebooting and starting from the beginning they were just trying to give him a new origin story so they they wanted to i think pick up the regular series with superman already established right so right they had six issues to get to that point mm-hmm. and so that's why like each issue take is a whole different section of him like becoming superman 
Um, so some of the key differences I thought uh, that were funny uh, from other origins that were told before this. Um, so back in uh, Superman uh, number 146, they told, um, I believe that, uh, was it this one or, uh, let's see what this other one is. They told his origin story a couple of times. So, uh, okay, so number 53, that was his first origin. And that one's pretty straightforward. Um, he just, it, it just comes showing him with all of his powers and stuff and that Krypton is gonna explode. Um, I did take some notes on these, but now I don't know where they are. But um, anyway, uh, they, he comes down, he is a baby and all of a sudden he's like throwing Pot Kent around, dude, while he's in the crib and he's like swinging on the light post, flying around. So he gets his powers basically really early on um, in this um, series. But this, but this one, which is interesting, this is his first origin story. There's no Superboy, right? He doesn't become Superman until he's until he's a full grown man. Now that was um, now if you go down to uh, issue 146, that's when. So he's actually like a toddler when they shoot him off in this. Oh one, yeah, you can. Right? Yeah. So. Uh, so and immediately he meets crypto the super dog right when he comes home or gets down to earth um it goes into a little bit detail of krypton krypton is different in all of these uh they go to um it shows like the krypton zoo and stuff and talks about their animals there's a metal eater animal that they got to feed and then they have like robotics to show that it was like an advanced civilization or whatever um but then he gets shipped off as a toddler it's just like he clearly knows his mom and dad. They decided they could put the dog in the rocket with him, but the, the, the parents are just going to die, and they just watch him go off as Krypton is burning. Um, but he lands down. Oh, one interesting thing is, like, uh, in this one, they actually drop him off at an orphanage. Uh, so they find him. Pon Ma can't. They find him, but they say... <laughs> Uh, you know, it'll be fishy if these old people all of a sudden have a baby. So they go drop him off at an orphanage, and then, and then the, he's just too crazy in the orphanage, dude. He's like tipping cribs over and stuff, and <laughs> and so they end up uh, going back a after having taken out legal adoption papers to adopt him. But right off the bat, dude, this kid is like putting out fires. He gets hit by a bull in the in the back of the head, basically, while he's picking up a boulder, and the dad's just like. Hey Martha, watch this. This doesn't even hurt him. So he's like, <laughs> send the bull after him automatically. But uh, I know that's not what we're uh, reviewing. But I thought some of these things. This is the best part of the entire thing is when he's learning how to fly. When he's a toddler, he's running into fence posts, breaking them because he flies like a crazy person. So Pa can't have this idea. Oh my gosh, to dude. tie a string to him, which which I can see that that gives him stability. What I don't understand is he's also tied. With balloons. Four balloons to his back. <laughs> we know that he can get in the air just fine. He doesn't need help staying in the air. He just needs help with stability. So I don't understand what the... That's funny. But he's basically just standing in the middle with his big long string flying him around the farm. <laughs> Trying to control this, him. Yeah, on the string. But in this in this one, he actually is Superboy. And you start seeing all these Superboy stories and stuff, which is pretty interesting. So... And then uh, he has to get special glasses made because he used his x-ray vision and it melted the glass out of his glasses. Um, and, oh, oh yeah, to uh, in this one, um, so people wouldn't know that Clark Kent is Superman, they built a robot Superman, <laughs> or robot Super Superboy, Boy. that would just, like, fly around so that, basically so that he could prove to Lana Lang that he wasn't Superboy. 
Um, so yeah, so this is a lot more silly, and this is uh, Man of Steel is basically a way to make it less silly. Like Golden Age stuff, Silver Age stuff was all kind of corny like that. Uh, but this is like, like you said, Dark Knight Returns. This was a way to try to make it a little bit more serious. Um, so where do we go from now? Here? He does um, in, I think in the first issue, of Man of Steel, he actually does get hit by a bull. But oh, he, he, yeah, he gets hit by a bull, but it doesn't hurt him because he's in his uh, neighbor's pasture. Oh, yeah, you're right. And oh, the bull hits him. So, like, I, I think John Byrne, so in this interview that I, I listened to, John Byrne actually took um, pieces from, like, everything he knew about Superman and tried to compile it all to make better sense. And so I think he must have taken it from that that issue where he also took, you know, Christopher Reeve, George Reeves, um, Superman portrayals and kind of made it all one big thing. Dude, the Clark Kent that he does, I think is completely Christopher Reeve, dude. Like, oh, yeah. As I'm reading that, I'm like, dude, he was heavily influenced by Christopher For sure. Reeve when he did this. Yeah. Oh, one interesting thing is there's a space plane, right? So that's his basically his first thing, his first public uh, thing that he saves, which uh, in the Return of Superman, is that what it was called? Superman Returns? Yeah. Uh, there was like a plane thing right where he saved a plane that was going to crash yeah and he flies it down onto a uh like a baseball diamond yeah yeah so in this one they have a space plane so i was reading about this originally this was supposed to be a space shuttle but it happened right after the challenger explosion oh really <laughs> yeah so oh. they ended up having to rewrite it as a space plane basically to not make it seem because yeah the challenger had just exploded yeah and that's what happens is something hits the space plane and it's going to crash and superman goes and saves everybody and then uh, one thing I thought was really interesting is th this is the reason why he wanted to have an the alter ego Superman is after he got back, he says, he goes back to his mom's house and he's like, they were all over me like wild animals, like maggots. They were clawing and pulling at me. It was all demands. Everybody has something that they wanted me to do to say to sell. It was, uh, it was as if my first public appearance had unleashed the worst, the greediest, most covetous part of everyone. So I never thought about like that being the reason that Superman had decided to take on the, the alter ego of Superman is because he couldn't go out in public. He was basically like a celebrity, right? And he couldn't go out in public without people wanting something from him. And that's why he decided to come up with uh, both Clark Kent uh, and, Superman. and Superman. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, people are always asking you to do stuff and when you can do... Un unimaginable things you know yeah. then like i mean why wouldn't someone want you just you know why wouldn't someone want to sponsor you and then you go save cats from trees or whatever yeah and and then so his mom sews him a costume and this is interesting too is that the fact that she can sew a costume and uh that was a big part of the man of steel is like in the golden age his costume was also invulnerable like mm -hmm. you could shoot his costume and bullets wouldn't pierce it right where now it's like uh this made it so like the superman that we know like you think about the death of Superman, his costume was like all ripped up and stuff, right? So like his costume isn't impervious to like, he doesn't have the same powers basically that he does. They did. Um, they do explain that his cape can be ripped, but like his, his really tight clothing ha is a little bit more durable. Well, it's durable because it's there, but like she wouldn't have been able to sew it. That's true. If it was, well, I actually, I actually read one time that's the reason why Superman's uniform isn't ripped as much as like we think it would be is because he has like this aura around him that's like super close to his body, so it protects right. everything around him. Yeah, and actually, I think they, I think they talk about that in this. Actually, they might. Uh, I yeah, I could be wrong, but anyway, so at the end of the issue, 
he becomes Superman. There's a classic John Byrne uh, Superman pose here, which he's actually used a couple of other times in other books, this exact same pose for different characters. Uh, but it's a good pose, and he's flying out of Krypton, and he says, I'm Superman, and that's the end of issue one. Say, it's opening. Oh, Jonathan, it's a baby. Oh, those monsters. They put a poor little baby in a rocket ship, and then they shot him off to the moon or somewhere. What kind of people are they? Now, you be careful, Martha. We don't know this baby came from Earth. He could be some kind of Martian. Oh, now you hush, Jonathan Kent. You've been reading too many of those science fiction magazines. He's as human as you or me. And I'm gonna make sure that whoever the monsters were who shot him up into that tin can, well, they're never gonna get their hands on him again. Martha! Okay, uh, now we're on to issue two of this miniseries. And one thing I like about this miniseries is um, the covers. So basically, you have issue one, which is about Superman. They're all about Superman, but uh, issue one has Superman standing on the cover. Issue two has Lois Lane standing on the cover. Issue three Batman. has Batman on the cover. And issue four has Lex Luthor on the cover. Mm -hmm. or, uh, yeah. And then five has Bizarro. And then six has uh, Jor-El on it um, and mm -hmm. Lena Lang. Which is, I love the way that that's set up because that's literally how these stories are set up. And even though this was a miniseries, they're whole encapsulated stories in each one. That's what I really like about this. Because, like, we just read <clears throat> Superman from birth to till Superman in the first one. And it was, it, it told that whole part of the story. Now we're going to hear the whole part of, like, when he met, got to know Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. Yep. Yeah. And it opens up with uh, her and Perry. Um, Perry White at a diner and all of a sudden Superman flies by and so she starts the issue by trying to track down Superman um, calls in a favor and flies over Metropolis trying to find the Man of Steel flying past the group of people on the ground right and so and it's pretty generally understood that um, Lois Lane wrote like the main story of Superman and that's and she won like a Pulitzer Prize for it and stuff um, in other storylines. But in this one, um, Clark Kent writes the story of Superman basically and beats her to the punch. Yep. And she's pissed and won't let it go. Yeah. yeah I know. She's she such keeps a... throwing it back in his face. <laughs> um, but yeah, Superman's established. He lives in Metropolis. He's saving the day. People know about him. And, but he's also developed this mild-mannered Clark Kent persona that will give him like breaks, right? So... Uh, and that's where we're at now. Um, and he, it shows him stopping some robberies and stuff. He flicks his girl in the face. <laughs> it's like it a, yeah, she has like a gun on him, basically. And, and she's like, oh, you wouldn't hit a lady, would you? And he's like, nope, I'd never hit a lady. And then he like flicks her with his finger and knocks her out. Dude. <laughs> Which is pretty hard. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically what's happening. Lois Lane is finding, you know, she's like... She's the typical Lois Lane, right? That just like I need to get the story, and she basically just misses, it, barely misses him every time she shows up to a scene. Yeah, she's like, oh, I can't believe I just missed him, and so she's like really upset because she can never get an interview with Superman. Yep, and then yep, and she's, uh, and then she, oh yeah, so she wants to finally to finally see Superman. She stages an accident, right? Right. She drives off the pier in a car. Right. And she's just, like, banking on the fact that Superman will save her. At least you, th you think that's what's the case now. But she 
Find out she has a backup plan. She has like a uh, aqualung. Ox- yeah. yeah, which I didn't know it was called that until reading this. Uh, oh yeah, I would I just call either. it like oxygen tank. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, aqualung. That's a way cooler name, dude. Um, and first of all we got to say that dude this we haven't really commented on the art but the art on this is like so freaking amazing it's great it's drawn so well john byrne draws an amazing superman like actually you would never need another superman like redesign after this actually the only thing superman he really did with superman is he made his cape longer because before that superman had basically like like a waist level cape but in the golden age um but now he's got a cape that goes down to his calves right so it looks pretty cool. And then he made the emblem on Superman's chest t- bigger to fill up his whole chest. And and now we're used to that kind of stuff because I think they, they kept that for a long time. But before that, it was a lot smaller emblem and a smaller cape. Uh. Yeah, and when you think of Superman, um, most people that are listening to this, when you think of Superman, you're going to be thinking of the John Byrne version. Yep. And he's basically back now, um, now that uh, Bendis put his shorts back on. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but yeah, so he saves Lois Lane. Lois Lane, she's is trying to do this to get the story. Superman blows her off, basically tr- tries to blow her off. But then she's like, "Come back here." They go back to the apartment, dude, and she she showers. And I love that Superman's just hanging out on the couch, yeah, dude. While he's she's chilling. Showering. I know. Like Superman's got nothing else to do, dude. Yeah, I know. Like he's just waiting. <laughs> now this whole sequence from basically page eighteen, I think, up until like the end. Um, reminds me a lot of like the original Superman uh, Donner films. Yeah. Um, I could really see the interaction between Superman and Lois. Um, I could hear Christopher Reeve's voice in my head when he's talking to her because it's it's like the whole apartment scene when he's with her and he like flies out with her and then brings her back home and stuff. I mean, obviously they're doing different things, but I, I had that same feeling of the interaction in these last few pages. Yeah. The Christopher Reeve Superman was well established by the time this came out. And you can tell that burn was influenced by, by that. And dude, um, I've been listening to some interviews lately with John Byrne. He's like a dude. He's like a, a comic book, like super fan dude. And like pop culture, super fan. So like, you know he was loving all that stuff and like watching it and stuff and and his Clark Kent is exactly like you know and his Superman for that matter. I mean, in comics you can make him be bigger and look more imposing than Christopher Reeve was able to, but yeah, his personality definitely is reminiscent of that. It definitely is. Feels just like it. And so Lois Lane's basically trying to get into his shorts uh, the whole time, but then he basically before she can get the story. He flies out the window, dude, on the balcony. He doesn't care. And he even tells her stuff, and he's like, this isn't going to be much help to you. Right. And then just leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Because he knows, dude. He's like, I'm not going to give her. She's going to get so, like, famous off of this. Yep. And he doesn't want to give it up. Nope. Dude, that reminds me of like, uh, do you remember that super dickery website that Uh we used to have? Yeah, yeah. Where like all the times that Superman was a dick. This is like, that didn't happen as much in the modern age. But, dude, this is a prime example of that, dude. Yeah, he's, like, trying to hold her down. Yeah. It's awesome. Because he's like, I'm not going to let a woman write this story. Exactly. <laughs> and so <laughs> so then it cuts to her in the office, and she's like, hey, Perry, um, I've got the greatest Superman story. And she's like, and then Perry's like, sorry, Lois, I know how hard you worked for all this, uh, <laughs> but we already have the story. And she's so pissed, dude. It was awesome. And then it just shows Clark, like, typing on his computer laughing like with the biggest cheesy shitty yep. grin on his face he's already he got knows. a desk there and he just submitted the story yeah but it's like this is the biggest story ever right so he probably got them like 
ten thousand new subscribers for their newspaper. Yeah, based off exactly. Of that. So, and that's basically uh, where this Issue. one ends. This is like the least actiony one out of all of them, to tell you the truth. Uh, most of it is just dialogue. There's only really the fake scene where you say like where there's the staged car, and then just like a couple of burglaries at the beginning. Or even maybe one is all. Um, yeah, just the burglary in the middle. Yeah, so this one, uh, like this one, is probably my least favorite out of the issues, just because not a lot happened. Oh but, really? Uh, yeah, in my opinion, not a lot happened, and it was one of my least favorite. But. I actually, I was gonna say I actually rate this one as probably my top, oh, my top one, and then I would say number uh, four, no, number five. It's probably my second favorite. Uh, yeah. Bizarre when we get to that, but now I did want to bring up one thing. Um, I really like the way they portray the heat vision in this. That it's not lasers coming from his eyes. It's just like you. The coloring is red around his eyes, like it's getting hot, and then they heat up whatever is that the object that he's like aiming at. And I, I just really uh, like the way they portray heat vision in this series. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So that, that's kind of what this whole series is about: is him taking you know some of the stuff that they wanted to keep and then giving like a different take on all of that so yep that wraps up book number two miss lane did you hear the chief just hired the later jimmy i've got a big fish to fry stop the presses perry i've got the story on superman what lois didn't you pick up the message i left on your answering machine message no, I, I didn't check my messages. I was too busy writing the story. Hey, is it me or do I detect a lack of excitement over this super scoop? I'm sorry, Lois. I know how hard you've worked for this, but uh, I can't get all wound up over a story we already have. Already have? Relax, Lois. You were beaten to it, that's all. Happens to the best of reporters. Used to happen to me all the time. And you might as well take a good look at the fellow who got the Superman story ahead of you. He's joined the planet staff as of today. Lois Lane, meet Clark Kent. All right, issue three introduces Batman. And uh, it opens up with a thug running uh, through the alleys of Gotham. Um, and you're seeing it from Batman's point of view. Um, it's like a uh, first-person point of view until he lands the classic nine pa panel on the page. You flip the page, and it's a ha it's a splash page of uh, Batman um, confronting this guy named Bull. Works for a lady named Magpie. Yeah. So um, up until now, pre-crisis, Batman and Superman have a long relationship, right? Like they had the world's finest series that went on forever, where they teamed up all the time. They were good buddies, right? So. Um, what's interesting about this issue is this basically establishes the fact um, with, that Batman and Superman are best friends. They would do anything for each other, but also they're all both kind of worried that the other one wants to. They don't fully trust the other one, right? Right. And and that's kind of how it's always been since. And I think that this is probably the first time that they really introduce this. And what's uh, the other thing that's weird too is like I, I, I find that every time they reintroduce so like I'm I'm coming up with for instance New Fifty Two, but they Batman and Superman didn't know each other then either, and then they had to reintroduce this kind of like unstable relationship that you know will form later to be mutual respect, and that's what John Byrne's doing here. Right. Well, they did it. Yeah, the New Fifty Two. Yeah, they've done it a couple of times, and they've retold the Superman origin a few times after this completely too. So yeah, 
Yeah, they, I mean, they still will, too. Like, there'll be another one. There'll be Definitely hundreds more, more, right? But, yeah. This is the first one where uh, where that I read uh, that they were really, like, not not super, like, best Friendly. buddy. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense that they would be, you know, that they would be wary of each other because their motives are so much different. So, Superman uh, wants to turn Batman into the police, and he's like, I'm not having any of that. Um, and what's, what's cool too is, um, later on, um, they, they start to get in this argument cause Batman, Superman's trying to chase Batman down after he lets go of the rope and he uses, uh, his, uh, he, x-ray vision, I think, or I, can, I don't know, one of the visions that he has and, um, Batman has a special aura around him and he says, if you touch me, he's like, there's a bomb on an innocent bystander or an innocent person in Gotham and that person will die if you touch me. Yeah. So Superman is uh, restrictive. So um, at this point, like Superman, and that ends up being kind of like a uh, catch-22 later in the story um, where Superman can't really touch Batman because they, they both have a contingency. Well, Batman has a contingency for Superman, but Superman just uses his brute strength usually. Right. Well, Batman had to because that's the cool thing about their relationship is Batman always has to kind of outsmart Superman. Um, and... Uh, he knew for a fact that Superman could take him down. In fact, Superman even says, he's like, you know I could have you in jail quicker before you even knew that we've moved. And Batman doesn't like, he just takes it as like, matter of fact, he says, yep, I know about that. And so I've set up this contingency where if you touch me, um, a bomb is going to blow up an innocent person in Gotham City. So, uh, And we should note that, I don't think, I don't know if we said it, but this does take place in Gotham City. So, Superman's been hearing about Batman. He doesn't like his methods, and basically his whole plan is to come stop him. Batman stops Superman saying, Dude, whoa, I'm trying to track down this lady named Magpie. I basically, like, he asked him to come help him. He's like, I think you could be beneficial. Let's go track down this jewel thief. And let's talk about Magpie right now, yeah, actually. Yeah, sure. So, um, I don't know 100% if this is where she was introduced, but it seems like it. Is this where her first introduction? Um, it feels like it might reading be. it. It does feel that way, but um, the way that they introduce her, but I don't know if it's officially her actual like first like her first appearance. Um, I hate the way she looks. <laughs> I I I hate her outfit. Um, and she's what a jewel thief. Dude, she likes shiny things. Yeah, so that's why she's named Magpie is because <laughs> of the fact that like. She likes shiny objects, so like right. birds will be attracted to shiny objects, and it's the stupidest premise. Oh yeah, for a villain ever. And she replaces <laughs> jewels with bombs. Like it's like so stupid. I don't know. Like I, I don't know why they didn't just pick like a different Batman Rogues Gallery character for for this. But I mean, um, maybe John Byrne had a reason why he introduced her here or or used her. Right. Well, yeah, I'm going to assume that he just created her for this story. And so if you guys hear differently, let us know. Otherwise, yep, this is her first appearance. So um, her name is Margaret Pye, P-Y-E, and that's how she um, is named Magpie. And so, I mean, it's creative. I can't actually, like, fault John Byrne too much. Like, I think he was being creative here, but it's just, like, just the fact that, like, and she's so obvious it's about it. She's like, I need my shiny things. Yeah. He took away my shiny things. <laughs> and so that she's like off one of her uh, 
like a henchman because she's pissed. And she'll just be like, she put dynamite in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, she's totally unhinged. She has the dumbest haircut. She has wings on the side of her head and a mohawk down the middle. And she's like, she's dressed all sexily, but she looks like an old lady. Yeah, like, she's so. horrible. <laughs> it's freaking But garbage. I actually have a soft spot for her just because I remember after this, she was actually in ba- the Batman comics around the same time. And I, I remember reading those when I was a kid. But yeah, she's just like, she's basically a poor man's Catwoman, right? So like. They could have easily used Catwoman in this oh, yeah. story, you know, because she's a jewel thief or whatever. But she's this one's more unhinged. She's like Harley Quinn before Harley existed, Became, basically. Yeah. Um, so they uh, they break in uh, to her hideout, um, try to stop her, and she throws down some gas that Superman inhales, flies <laughs> up to space, and blows it out, and it crystallizes, and he flies back because he's going to run out of air. Yeah. Dude, I love that because it's like, um, number one, I mean, how does Superman know that that wasn't going to hurt him to do that whole thing? Um, I mean, maybe he just was confident because nothing's hurt him up to this point. But at the same time, if he's sucking all the air out of the room, wouldn't he also suck all the oxygen out of the room and make the whole room implode? Yeah. (laughs) Because how did he just limit his inhalation to just that gas? Uh, It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, and how big are his lungs, dude? Because there's that gas fills the whole room up. But he's Superman, dude. So what does he do? Condense it in his lungs, or does his lungs just fill up down his legs? Probably into like, his. How yeah. does he fit all that gas in his lungs, dude? <laughs> yeah, I know. But then he's got this genius idea to fly up to space. <laughs> which, it... by the way, that brings up another thing. He has the fortress of solitude, right? Uh, yes. And and um, because he wants to be alone or whatever. The dude could fly up to space, right? Yeah. So why doesn't he put it on Mars? Why or the moon or something? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like uh, Doctor Manhattan had his own like, right. place, like on Mars, or was it? No, was it the moon? Doctor yeah, it was the moon. Yeah. Yeah. So why does he? Because he even says later in one of the issues that he wants to go to a place that's far away from everybody, uh, which is presumed to be um, the Fortress of Solitude. But dude, he just easily flew up. To space, why doesn't he put it on the moon? He clearly doesn't need the oxygen. Well, I th- well, he does say he needs oxygen though, because he oh, says, "Oh yeah, that's Since right. that we little stunt has that. also exhausted the air in my lungs, I'd uh, better get back uh, inside Earth's atmosphere." Oh, so not only did he have the gas, the whole room full of gas in his lungs, he also had room to put air in there to breathe. I guess, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, yeah. John Byrne. Yeah, but you're right. That is why, because they did address that. Uh, I remember reading that, and then afterwards saying, "Oh, that, that's." I why. think that's why, like a lot of modern or current storylines, you see him in like a space helmet because, like, I think he can be out in space for so long, and then he eventually runs out of oxygen. Uh, that's cool. Um, what about how cold it is in space? That doesn't affect him, but huh. the oxygen thing does. Yeah, I right. guess. I so basically, they catch her and they see that she's just really nuts. And they, um, and then Superman and Batman are kind of basically friends now. Batman uh, reveals to Superman that he was fooling him the whole time and that there really was a bomb, but the bomb was on Batman. And so Batman risked his own life, but he also knew that Superman wouldn't do it. He wouldn't endanger somebody. Yep, right? hands the bomb off. And then a classic Superman wave goodbye to Batman. Yep, and then one thing that's kind of interesting is the very last panel of the book um, Batman is looking up at Superman as he's flying away and he says a remarkable man all things considered who knows 
In a different reality, I might have called him friend. And that's in reference to everything pre-crisis. Right. So, yeah, that's yep. pretty cool. It's like that they do reference the pre-crisis uh, relationship. So that wraps it up for book number three. Okay. Okay, issue four, Man of Steel. This is the Lex Luthor issue. He's the one on the cover. This is where you're... Um, you do see uh, Lex Luthor like, from inside a car in one of the previous ep- or issues. But this is the f- first one where he plays like any sort of part. and It opens up with Lois Lane dressed all sexily in this silk dress that she thinks that she's borrowing from Lex Luthor. Which, oh, it's weird, right? Like... Who just borrows dresses from people? Right. It's, yeah. Yeah, but then she gets all pissed off later when she finds out that it's an actual gift. But Clark, <laughs> uh, so she shows up to Clark's house, uh-huh. and Clark's getting ready. They're going to go on this yacht uh, to go at Lex Luthor's invitation, basically. And you see uh, Clark Kent unkempt. Now, this is another thing that comes up quite often in nerd circles. Is uh, So Superman, his hair slicked back. He's got his glasses on, or I guess it's Clark Kent. Um and he's got scruff, right? Mm-hmm. So can Superman shave? According to John Byrne, he can, but not with just any old razor. Yep, he has to use piece of his spaceship that he came to Earth in. <laughs> um, and he uses the reflection with his heat vision just enough not to burn himself. Um, and it burns the hair off his face. Yeah, so prior to this, she's giving him shit still about the stupid story. She yeah. can't get over it, dude. <laughs> And and he's just like, dude, I'm sorry. I hadn't even met you then. Like, why is she still here? Why is he still hanging out with her at this point? She won't let it go. He even says it had been 18 months since yeah. he wrote it. And she won't let it go. She just can't, yeah, let go of it. And then I like that she tells him he has to go shave. Like, you can see stubble on him for the first time. But it's not like he was like, okay, I just got to finish getting ready. She's just like, go shave your face. I don't want to discuss it any further. I like that she's the one that stops it, too. She brought it up, the fact that... And then she changed the subject. And then she's like, I don't want to discuss it any further. Yeah. Why is he still with this woman, dude? I don't know. Because she puts out? Plus, he thinks that she's wanting to hit it with Lex anyway. So, like... Oh, Oh, that's true. Yeah, they bring that up later, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I did... um, So, she is lifting weights in this portion. Um, For some reason, (laughs) she's, like, chilling, just lifting weights in this dress. I think John Byrne is trying to establish that she's a strong woman, right? He was. And the thing is, is people were pissed about this. Were they? So, he got a bunch of, like, hate mail um, because they made her too powerful, like, too strong-willed. And so, later on, in a few issues after these... He wrote uh, an issue where, where she gets tied up, and he got a bunch of love notes saying, like, oh, you've finally done uh, Lois Lane right and all this stuff. Oh, like, I do I remember that part of the yeah. interview. Yeah. People were, like, like pissed that she's, like, strong-willed <laughs> and, like, an empowered woman. And when he finally tied her up, then that's when they're like, yeah, you did Lois Lane right and all this stuff. Which I, I mean, like, I mean, it was the 80s, so, you know, I mean, women's right. rights weren't what they quite are today. Right. Um, 
but just some interesting things, you know, behind the scenes and, and you know, Superman yeah. being able to shave and all that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then, so they go, Lex Luthor has brought a, well, actually, Lois Lane came on this helicopter and landed on the top of Superman's uh, apartment. <laughs> and then they go to fly off. Lois doesn't care, dude. She doesn't give a F, man. Like, but Clark's like, isn't this illegal to do this? She's like, it doesn't matter. Lex is crazy, but let's just go along with it. Like, there's so many warning signs, man. Uh, so they fly to this yacht. It's like the biggest boat in the history of boats, right? Of course, because Lex Luthor owns it. There's supposed to be a party here on the boat. They get a tour. They see Alfred. Lex Luthor's Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, Is he a British accent? Yeah, he does, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's how it's written. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, but they haven't seen Lex Luthor yet. They've seen his staff. They're all accommodating. And then Lex Luthor comes out and he's, he's chubby, like a uh, Donald Trump type guy. He looks exactly like Donald Trump. Yeah. So one thing that's interesting, one thing that John Byrne did change is prior to this, Lex Luthor was just like a, he was like a scientist, right? So right. he was just basically a mad genius, uh, before this, but now, uh, with this Man of Steel series, they changed him to be more of just like a, a evil businessman kind of guy, right? Yep. And he his main motivation, starting from this point forward in Superman's history, his main motivation to defeat Superman was because, basically out of jealousy, because Superman was the most powerful man in the world, and Lex Luthor wanted to be that. And so this is where it's kind of establishing all this stuff. And then, uh, then he tries to basically rape Lois Lane... Um, and uh, Lois Lane doesn't want to have it so and then these bad guys come on like these pirates want to come on and steal everybody's stuff right so they throw Clark Kent off of the, uh, the off of the boat no, the, yeah but he let him do it because he felt like this was a good time a good way to change into Superman's costume and so um, yeah when he uses that po- so he since he flies off and then Lois Lane Oh, maybe she picks up a gun later. Anyway, he picks up the ship, and everybody's like freaking out because like the ship is like is like tilting, and they're like, "What the heck's going on?" And then yeah, Lois Lane picks up a gun and just starts shooting at people. Like she just like doesn't even care. She's just like, and they don't even address that later. It's just like a panel of her kicking the dude in the nuts, makes the makes the noise, and uh, just going tra- Scarface on the entire yeah. like uh, on the entire boat. yacht, yeah. yeah. It's just like ridiculous. <laughs> and there was like a lot of people on this boat because it was like a huge party. It wasn't just for Clark and Lois. Um, so Superman's still flying this boat around like uh, while this is all happening. Um, and then and then the thing is, is like he tries to make her all badass, right? So she was lifting weights. She's shooting. But then Superman still, she still has to be the damsel in distress. So she's about to get capped. Superman jumps in front of her and saves the day and then squishes the dude's gun i think about letting go if i were you right i like that part yeah he's like about to crush his hand yeah and then he just like yeah he just crumples up the gun like it's like a piece of paper and then you find out that lex luther has set this whole thing up so they could test superman out right and then he wants to hire him yep he says here's a check for twenty five thousand dollars uh you're now on my payroll consider a retainer and dude is superman gonna have that Hell no. He ain't going to work for no. Lex Trump, dude. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so yep. So, I think that's basically Super, it, right? Superman takes him in and gets him in trouble with the law. 
So like Superman, uh, I don't know how he grabs him, but he he like gets I there's like a guy on the ship that um is part of the police force. Maybe he's like the I can't remember what he is now. Oh, he's mayor. So he like goes up to Luther and gets Luther arrested for setting up the fake the fraudulent uh, attack. Yeah. And he goes to jail. And there's some weird piece at the back where like Superman saves this pregnant woman. Um. And he's like flying. He, he takes her to the hospital and he's walking out. And Lex Luthor approaches him again. Um, so time has passed now um, since he was in jail. I don't remember how long it's been. But um, Lex Luthor basically says, Superman, I have a message for you. And he threatens Superman saying that he will uh, kill him at some point. Yeah, and so that Superman better look out. This is where they become. This is where their uh, frenemy become relationship nemesis. starts. Yeah. Are these your parents in this photo? They look like a nice couple. How did they wind up with a son who's such a swine? Lois, you're not going to stop that again, are you? It's been 18 months. 17 months, two weeks, four days, and an odd number of hours. And don't you forget it, Kent. But Lois, you know I didn't scoop you on the first Superman story out of spite or anything like that. I hadn't even met you then. And you think that makes it easier, you big dope? I could deal with it, maybe, if we'd been chasing the same story all along. Every good reporter deals with that. But you have to waltz in off the street with no experience and the story of the century. Oh, go shave. I don't want to discuss it any further. All right, I'll be about ten minutes. All right, so issue five um, opens up. Superman confronting Lex Luthor. Now, what's cool is um, when you see the opening page, he's actually holding a suit that looks just like something that uh, Lex Luthor used to wear, the green and purple armor. Um, but uh, as you turn the page, you find out it's just a henchman of Lex Luthor's. Now, um, this issue, um, you know, like he, they're in Japan at the beginning, um, and Lex Luthor has hired a guy, um, a scientist, to replicate... Superman's DNA. Now, before this, it was not established to Lex Luthor, known to Lex Luthor, that Superman is an alien. This is the issue where it comes out that Superman actually is an alien and not of Earth, uh, quote unquote, of Earth. Because he, I mean, yeah, he was born here, like we discussed earlier, but um, his DNA is actually alien. Right, and we're also introduced this episode to <clears throat> Lois Lane's sister, Lucy Lane, who's been blinded. And I, I don't know, it doesn't say how she got blinded. She, it just says that she was recently blinded, basically. Right, and that, that's the other thing that I was thinking about earlier when I was talking about the way that time passes in this. I know I'm probably this off the subject of the issue for a second. Um, but um, it says like a year ago she was blinded and 18 months uh, before. Anyway, the, the issues are like the time frame is kind of weird. So there might be an issue that actually goes over this why she was blinded, but it's not explored in these issues. Right. So, uh, but she's blinded. She's all like being like such a baby about it, right? Like, oh, I can't do anything. I can't go out. Yeah. And so I'm just going to jump off a ledge. Yeah. So she tries <laughs> to kill herself. Um, but Superman puts a stop to that. He catches her. Well, you th what you think is Superman. Right. right. You only see him from the back. Yeah. And anytime you would see his face, they like pan it's off panel. Right. Uh, and covered. Um, but he won't talk to her. Right? right. He doesn't say anything to her. And she says you feel like dust. 
She's, yeah, she says, yeah, she feels so dusty. And uh, you can actually see that he's colored, like, skin color, like, at this point, right? So I think that that's probably what the dust was, is, in my opinion, is that he was covered in, like, makeup or something. Because later in, uh, he turns, he gets, like, a white skin in it after they talk about the dust coming off. Yeah, he, like, almost becomes crystallized. Almost. Yeah. So this is the this is the so the person that saved is obviously the clone of Superman, which uh, this is the first time they talked about cloning Superman, but that happens a lot of times later, right? So like there's mm-hmm. like Superboy was a clone of Superman as well, and Lex Luthor, um, and so uh, basically this is um, this is Bizarro. They don't call him Bizarro. Uh, they do make a like cheeky reference to him being called Bizarro, like. Right. They say something about, like, that's so bizarre. And then the next sentence starts with, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But they never (laughs) actually call him Bizarro. But the thing I liked about this Bizarro is that they, um, that he can't really talk. He just grunts, right? He's just like, so he's more like a Frankenstein uh, creature in this. In fact, if this was done a little bit differently, it made me think you could do, like, a Bizarro, like, horror story, like, so well. Like a Frankenstein style. Bizarro would be awesome, yeah. right? Like the misunderstood monster. Yeah. But he, yeah, dude, that would be so awesome. Like there's some parts like later where uh, he's like, um, I can't remember where it's at, but like they see him like kind of in the darkness basically. And like uh, if they would have made that like more creepy, it could have totally just been like this scary Superman that is just like has all the powers in the world, but he like, and he doesn't have a brain, so he doesn't know what to do with those powers. Right. So that's pretty terrifying if you think about it. But yeah, so now, you know, there's one cool thing too is that like you see him later and he's dressed as Clark Kent and as Superman. Like yeah. he's in his Superman clothes, but he has his glasses on mm-hmm. and like a and a suit jacket. So I think that that's cool because he's like a mixture of both of them basically. Well, that's why Superman goes down to stop him. Clark uh, ch- runs down the stairs. There's a really cool panel where he's in the stairs and he's like changing his clothes into Superman at the very bottom of the stairs. He like flies off. And uh, he goes down there on purpose to stop him because he's like, I can't let anyone see him be this be Clark Kent and Superman at the same time. So they get in this fight, and he uses heat vision on him, and it like burns away his clothes, except the Superman suit. I think. Is well, it actually changes his Superman suit. So he burns him away. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then right. that's what changes him to get the actual Bizarro suit, which is like a darker, like a blue. purple, yeah, yeah, dark blue, yeah. And that was because, yeah, Superman, and his cape is all ripped up and stuff, and that's because of the fact that, um, actually, that's interesting. I never noticed that, you know, how they said that uh, Martha Kent was saying that only his cape would get ripped yeah. up? And when he burnt uh, his, the Bizarro suit, the only thing that got ripped up was, was his cape, cape, but the suit itself turned darker. So so now he's, like, looking full on Bizarro, and I love, I just love him, dude, because he can't talk. So it's not like the Bizarro that you know that talks backwards or whatever. And there's no Bizarro world, right? This just came from just like a clone. So, again, this is John Byrne taking the silliness out of, like, the Superman stuff. Like, you'd never see, like, Mr. Mixplitalik in in a John Byrne Superman, uh, at least not in these ones, because he's trying to keep it more realistic. And if he did, he would be, like, some, like, crazy guy that thinks he's, like, from another planet or something, you know? Um, But, yeah, he's so, like, Frankenstein here because he's not a bad guy he's not trying to be mean he just doesn't have a brain and he's got all the powers in the world right he's like a two-year-old intellect with the power of superman yeah exactly 
He grabs Lois, flies her up to, uh, oh man, what's her sister's name? Lucy. Lucy. Man, too many L's. <laughs> Lucy's apartment. And what the thing is, is Lucy is starting to get her vision back because of the dust coming right. off of Bizarro. Um, and then Superman, uh, you know, follows up and they start fighting in the apartment. Yeah, so um, they fight, but then Superman basically, he determines that he's not a real human because he can look inside of him, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, this isn't a real human. This is basically, he says, an android type creature. And that gave him free reign to straight kill his ass, dude. Yep. Right? And so, full speed ahead, uh, Bizarro flips around and starts picking up speed. They collide and just like, boom, just this huge dust cloud. And it's nasty because it looks like dandruff falling from the sky. Yeah. And so, yeah, those are the like the particles you said, you were talking about. That those She's like, oh my gosh, I can see now. I can see. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense, but... She just rubs skin in her eyes. It's like, makes you... Yeah, that's the end of that issue. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, actually, I like that issue. It was cool. It was a really uh-huh. cool take. I, I think it could have been better, but I really like this take on Bizarro. And I love that they put Bizarro in here because they put Lex Luthor and the only... Uh, and then Magpie, but, like, the only other really established villain that they brought in was Bizarro. And it was a cool new take on Bizarro. So he changed... Lex Luthor in the last issue to be this billionaire businessman guy and then he changed Bizarro in this one just to be a clone as opposed to somebody from Bizarro World and you know that was obviously changed they brought Bizarro World back later um, which is cool too I like both I mean that's what's cool about comics right it's like I like when they don't feel like they have to hold themselves to everything that's been done before because that makes stories too constrictive so I like that they can change that up Oh, nice. Kelly's is showing off his uh, comic that's got a little... George Perez. George Perez, Wonder Woman. And, and that was so that was the thing, is when they rebooted these comics, they wanted to reboot Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. So they had the Dark Knight, uh, which was the Batman reboot. And then, although it wasn't really a reboot, but it was like a new type of story for Batman. And then the George Perez did the Wonder Woman uh, reboot. So... We're at the last book now, uh, in just a second. Stay tuned. I don't know what this thing is or where it came from, but it seems to think it's Superman. Maybe I can reason with it. Uh, listen, can we talk? I'm Lois Lane, a reporter for the Daily Planet. I... uh, Good grief, it's bringing me home! Lois? Is that you? Is that Superman? It's me, all right, kiddo, but this isn't... Lucy? Can you see me? Not very clearly, sis. But yes, my vision started to clear a little just after Superman left. Superman? He was here? Lucy, what's going on? I I don't know. It's all too crazy, but... This man, he was here. And after he left, I started to see shapes. Shadows. Lois, Lucy, get away from him. Superman, thank goodness. Superman? You mean there's two of him? Only one of the real McCoy, Lucy. Now get clear, you two. I've got to corral this caricature of me before any more damages. Done.
Okay, so issue six is uh, the one that has Jorel and Lana Lang on the cover. So that gives you an indication of uh, what's about to happen. So this is probably, you know, a few years later. Um, Superman decides to come back uh, to Smallville and check out and see what's going on there. He meets, he meets both of his parents. They're just so happy to see him. And that's the other thing, too, that John Byrne did with this is both of his parents are alive, which um, Pa Kent was dead uh, in previous stories of this, and he just had his mom. Uh, and so they brought them both back alive. And, dude, they're always smiling. They're, yeah. like, so creepy, right? Cause yeah. Because just like, what was that? Didn't we review something before? We did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where his parents are always <laughs> smiling. smiling. Like, dude, Mom and Pa Kent seem like they're, like, robots. They're <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, it was Peter Parker's parents. Oh, it was Peter. Yeah, oh, that's right. Aunt yeah, May yeah, and, uh... <laughs> and Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in fact, these are they're the exact same characters, to tell you the truth. Like, uh, Pa Kent and Ma Kent are... Or just like Uncle Ben and Aunt May, but yeah, they're just like little androids. They're always smiling, except for when when Aunt May isn't looking. That's when Pa Kent is always like, "Clark, you need to do better. You need to be careful." Yeah, he's like never like, "Good job, son." He's always like talking crap on his son. Yeah, so he goes home to eat, and his mom's just like, "Hey, when are you gonna get some of that puss and stuff?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't need puss." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, but you're probably right." I've been I've been uh, contenting myself uh, with a, with clear infection with her or Lois Lane <laughs> with Lois Lane being into Superman, but I need to up my Clark Kent game basically, which is so funny. But one thing that's interesting that I realized with this is like I always saw Superman as his the real person being Superman, his alter ego being Clark Kent, whereas every other superhero they're themselves and then they turn into a superhero but really as i was thinking about it clark kent is three people right so he's like kal-el he's clark kent and he's superman right, right. so uh he's like that dude's like never himself right because he's like lying to everybody like as clark kent he's lying to people yeah. and Tomorrow, superman, yeah superman he's lying to people and so yeah the only real one of him is kal-el and he's not even really sure who that is until until we get into this issue but he's just hanging out at home. His mom's rubbing his head. <laughs> I love that panel. He's just like mussing his hair. Mussing his hair, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like a little kid again, even though he's clearly like a 38-year-old dude. And then he's sleeping in his own childhood, his old childhood bed. Actually, I don't know how you even fit in that bed, dude. Like, dude, are his know. knees up in that? Yeah, but he looks like he could fit. Yeah, he doesn't, look, he doesn't look comfortable, man. And there's stains all over those sheets from when he was a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure with those... Kryptonian wet dreams. And so, like, yeah, he's, like, thinking about Lois Lane, right? And then he goes down and gets a pie out of the fridge. <laughs> right? This is the beginning of a, <laughs> of a movie. Pie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> American Pie owes John Byrne some royalties, I think. Agreed. Now, the, what's cool, now, Spencer did mention this off-air, too, that this uh, issue feels a lot like a sci- like very sci-fi. And just um, page uh, five and six definitely have the remnants of, like, a horror movie. Where like, um, you know, like the house is dark, it's old and creaky, and like you get out of bed to go get a snack, or you hear something, so you grab a baseball bat and walk down the stairs, and then someone's waiting for you right by the fridge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that does feel like an '80s sci-fi movie, and uh, yeah, and this thing is speaking some other language, right? And it's referenced by symbols, um, uh, but I don't see the symbol for hope anywhere in there. Nope, I don't either. <laughs> it's on his chest, isn't it? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, eventually oh, they did so create ridiculous. like eventually they did create like a Kryptonian language. Like, language. Yeah, because yeah. like I remember they would use the Superman symbol as like S's, uh, and you could kind of tell what they were saying. Like in the, I remember reading some like the early two thousands that were like word for word translated. But anyway, dude, Jor-El looks crazy in this, right? He's wearing, like, this bodysuit with the face cut out, but it goes all the way up over his head. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, like, this cape over it. And then there's, like, like whipped cream down his arms, basically. Yeah. I was I always think of it as, like, flowers. But, yeah, whipped cream is a good... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or, actually, in this panel on page six, um, where Superman first sees Jor-El... He's dropping the pie because he's like clearly been caught, right? Well, look at there's I know. white yeah. coming out of the pie, dude. <laughs> yeah, in my color, yeah, oh, yours is not so red. The digital one, the, yeah. The, in the color of the book, there's like white coming out of the red pie. They didn't color that part, and then but then Jorel has got this like weird whipped cream stuff all the way yeah. down his arms. So Superman was in his clearly. yacht. He got busted, and then he busted all over Jorel's arms. <laughs> what are you doing, son? <laughs> That's because of your. That's because of the yellow sun. It makes you bust all over <laughs> my arms. And so, dude, he's just talking to him in Kryptonian, and like, dude, he's got no idea what's going on. He's got these weird gloves that have like three fingers out of the gloves. It's like Gambit. Yeah, yeah. He's got Gambit gloves on. Well, anyway, he touches his head, right, and then boom, he goes nuts, and he's already he's automatically transported to Krypton, and he's speaking Kryptonian. Superman is himself speaking Kryptonian, right? Yeah, it's like Spanglish, but like Kryptonian yeah, English. Right. How would you say that? Um, Kryptanglish? Yeah, Kryptanglish. Kryptanglish. Yeah, so, and then he sees his mom, and his mom's like, hey, you're my son. He's like, what? And then he's having some weird stuff going on because his mom turns into Lana Lang, right? Yeah. So, like, these are one of those weird Freudian. dreams. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those weird dreams where you're getting down with somebody and you look and it's your mom. You're going, never mind. Uh, my <laughs> You're eating your mom's pie, and, you know, <laughs> and she baked for you. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, this is like all a big dreamlike state, right? So he's like, stuff's going crazy. And now he's talking to Lana Ling back in Smallville again. And she's basically just saying, dude, you're a dick. I loved you for so long. Why didn't you ever put out? Right. And Superman's just like, dude, I... I right. liked pie. I liked pie too much. So pie. Couldn't to just one yeah. pie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Lana Lang's like, I can't compete with pie, basically. Uh, but then he show he flies her up, right, and shows her that he can fly. And I'm assuming that this is real because they don't really because it feels like all dreamy, right? But yeah, it's like dreamscape-ish. But it would make sense that this would be real because, like, so basically. He showed her that she can fly. That he can fly, and then he left to Smallville like right after that. Just left her hanging, dude. Again, he's a dick, man. Yeah, I know. She loves him so much. She confessed her love, and then he just leaves her. He's like, dude. He basically is like, uh, or is it her? Him? Somebody says, uh, oh yeah. She says you can't just belong. She's like, oh okay, I get it. You can't just belong to one woman. Mm -hmm. And then he starts thinking about Lois. Superman belongs to the world. Yeah, and. Yeah, dude. So far, Superman's not putting out anywhere. No, he's like super clean. He doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. He just you have these two really pretty women into you, and you just like don't even pay attention to them. Yeah. So then he sees in his uh, still in his dream like state that his ship is gone. I don't know what that means. What does that mean that his ship is gone? I never really. Realized I don't think that he's what the significance. Of I don't that think is. that he's in his dreamscape. 
You think this is a real world? Because Yeah, now- because what happens is Pa comes out and like whacks Jor-El across the head with a shovel. And he like pops away, like disappears. So I think he's having a vision so, of Jor-El. So did he come out of his dream when he started seeing Lana? Yeah, that yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah, okay. And so like he was in a dream state. He comes, uh, and then he keeps seeing visions. But for some reason, somehow Pa Kent is able to hit Jor-El and see Jor-El. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if Jor-El is being like, like somehow he's appearing on right. Earth. I don't. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, dude. But he cold clocks Jor-El. Oh, yeah. dude, with a shovel. And Pa Kent's just like, oh, yep. Uh, trust the old shovel. Works yep. every time. <laughs> he like fizzes away. And then he's like, hey, uh, Clark, that pie tasted funny. Uh, <laughs> do you know what, what you your mom put in that? it? <laughs> And he's like, oh, no idea. Mom, mom, she sucks. She puts weird stuff in pies. And then mom shows up and he's like, oh, hey, uh, we were just talking about no how way. good your pie tasted. Dad, yeah. dad was still has some in his mouth. <laughs> and then he's just being really emo here. And he says, I got to fly away. I got to think. Right? So he flies off to uh, Fortress Solitude or what you think is going to be the Fortress Solitude. Yeah. And then he's standing there. Um and then he just says that I may have been conceived out there in the en- endless depths of space, but I was born when the rocket opened on Earth in America. So and he's he, standing all like majestically. Right? Yeah. He's posing for somebody. I don't know who, but because he's up in like the middle of the nowhere. Middle, yeah, the middle of the the icy ocean. Yeah. And he says that he'll always cherish uh, memories of Jor-El and Lana. So I, I'm just wondering, like, if this is, at this point, like, they're dropping off and, like, just, like, okay, so we address the fact that he came from somewhere else, had a past life, and now let's move on to, like, him being Superman in, in uh, Metropolis. Yeah, I think that's kind of how they were setting it up. And then uh, John Byrne went on to do uh, the regular Man of Steel series after this. So um, to follow these adventures, you got to follow those comics. I realize now that projection was of Jor-El, my true father. The woman I saw, her name was Lara, and she's my true mother. The strange alien world I saw, it's where I'm from, the planet Krypton. My parents must have programmed that hologram to impart to me all the knowledge of my true home planet, a planet of which I am the sole survivor. All of Krypton's memory is my memory. I know all of its literature, its culture, its languages. But that's the past. I was born when the rocket opened on Earth, in America. It was Krypton that made me Superman. But it's the Earth that makes me human. So, um... On that note you, that you were finishing on that last one, talking about uh, how he... I just got lost. Oh, yeah. So he was talking about how he was conceived up in up in uh, Krypton. Get your perverted minds out of the gutter because he wasn't conceived like, like you sexually. Think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but that he was born on Earth. And like I said at the beginning, that was one of the big differences of this issue. So I was listening to an interview with John Byrne, and originally what he wanted to do is he wanted to have uh, um, Kal-El's mom. What's her name? Oh, yeah. Carter Laura. L- Laura. Laura. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to have her sent down to space with Clark still in utero, and then him being born, Kal-El being born there. Like So basically, she would open up and then she would give her baby to the Kents, which would make more sense, right? Because this way they're not like 
kidnapping a kid basically because right. right now they're just finding a random kid and kidnapping except for like i said in in one of the older origins they take him to an orphanage and then adopt him the right way but in this <laughs> one they straight up just kidnapped him um so it would have made sense to do that and it would kind of be like a green lantern story right where Abin Sur comes down yeah is about yeah. to die then he gives his ring to, uh, away to so hell. it would be uh similar uh, which I think would have been cool, but they didn't want to do that uh, for whatever reason. So and they made him the sole survivor of Krypton. Yeah. Yep. So they and they made like a little bit of a deal, a big deal, saying that he is the sole survivor of Krypton. So yeah, all those crazy stories, dude. Um, like of like the Bottle City of Kandor, uh, when Superman and Jimmy Olsen would be superheroes. Uh, they would be Nightwing yeah. with Bling oh, Bird, yeah, yeah. and they would go into the Bottle City of Kandor where they were like. But Superman didn't have his powers in there, so he was more of a Batman-type character because he had to have like gadgets and stuff to help him fly. Yeah, so all those stories were gone uh, with this um, with this new retelling of it. But um, I actually thought it was pretty good overall. I remember having a better impression of it from when I read it the first time as a kid. Um, this time reading it uh, as an adult, I felt like it. he rode the line where at times he was writing... Uh, for a more mature reader like more deeper ideas but then he'd go back to just really simplistic like kid like style um stories like you know where there's these robbers that were gonna shoot up a ship and superman jumps in front of lois lane like stuff like that right is kind of really simplistic and and i do think that at times he was writing down to the reader like we'd be dumb like we're so dumb that we can't understand things because there would be a lot of like explaining of things too, exposition in it where they would have to explain, oh, this is why I do this. Like Superman, instead of showing him just shaving with his like vision, he has thought bubbles saying, you know, I can't shave with a regular razor, so I'm going to use my laser eyes to do this. Yeah, explaining it away that really doesn't need to be explained away. But at the time, I mean, you know, if you think back, I mean, at that time, most of us were kids. And so for us to understand um, now, like then, we would need the explanation. I, I understand what you're saying, but dude, Dark Knight Returns didn't do that. And that came out like right at the same time, basically. That's Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Like that totally did. I read Dark Knight Returns as a kid all the time and there was stuff I didn't get. It didn't change the fact that I loved it. Like I still loved it when I was a kid. But I didn't understand most of it. That makes sense. <laughs> so it, I don't think they have to talk down or write down I think it was like laziness on some part. Like, it just he could have made better storyline or you know better details. The overall storyline and the main things that he changed, I think, were great. And I the think art they is were awesome. Oh, the man. art was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I do like the overall like big plot points, but I think mm-hmm. some of the details in the writing and just like the the whole uh, magpie thing, dude. She was such a two dimensional like or one dimensional villain, like. She had one thing. She liked shiny things, so she wanted to take them, and that's all there was to her. Dude. Yeah, like, you know, right. So like that, and that I I don't think was good. Too but, simplistic. Yeah, but at the same time, he expanded on Lex Luthor, uh, right? It made him uh, more um, gave some depth to Lex Luthor, right? Uh, and you know, made Lois Lane a strong woman, which was a good thing. Gave some more detail about Clark Kent's, you know. Uh, the Clark Kent side of things than you would normally see, uh, like his relationship with Lana and his parents. 
give a little background. Yeah, so like I said, at times it felt really good, um, but other times it felt a little dis- disconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one thing that I also um, so the Batman that he drew um, is more reminiscent of, I would say, maybe I'm completely off off kilter here, but uh, being more Silver Age ish, um, and recognizing that Batman as opposed to like Dark Knight Returns. Um, as like the definitive Batman, whereas this is like the definitive Superman, and I don't know if that's just the take that that Frank Miller was taking with Batman compared to what Byrne was doing with Superman at the time. Yeah, I mean, definitely the Batman isn't isn't a retelling; it's not an origin story, right? I guess it is kind of an origin story, but it's like the origin of old Batman, right? So it's like because he's he goes into right, retirement, honest, yeah. And then this is him, his second origin, I guess. It's it's the origin of the next version of Batman, but it's definitely not a retelling like, like, in a retcon like they wanted the, this one to be. Sure. Um, I uh, they went on to tell a couple of different ones after this. There was like they retold his origin in a, the Mark Wade did it in Superman Birthright. Do you mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yep. Uh, that was a good one. I remember it from, it's been a long time since I read it, but I remember liking it. And then. Um, I, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank did a Superman Secret Origin retelling in 2009, which I never read. Um, uh, one thing that's interesting is uh, Superman for All Seasons. Um, that book yes. basically takes place during the first book of this. Uh, well, actually, it actually goes a little bit further, too. So it takes place during this miniseries, basically. Um, but what's cool is they didn't change anything like from... Uh, John Byrne's version uh, that Superman for All Season fits firmly in uh, John Byrne's world, Run. which I think is pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, in fact, yeah, they, they're I think their writing styles are quite similar to tell you the truth. As I was reading this, um, it just felt like, especially his Smallville parts, felt a lot like uh, how Jeff Johns wrote his yeah. Smallville parts. Smallville did, you're right. The I didn't mean Jeff Johns. Parts. I meant uh, no, uh, uh, like his name. Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb. Yeah, Jeff Loeb. Thanks. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think we knew what you meant. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, in that for the for the for the uh, for all seasons, you know, it takes place over. I think it's like a year or something like that. And so, you know, getting that little bit extra in depth of the smallville portion of it, you know, when he does see Lana at, you know, like they're setting up for a school dance, I think in that, I can't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I've read it, but, uh, very good. Was it Tim sale too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But that's my favorite one that they did together. Actually. It's, I love how that one's written and it's just, uh, it's really just like a time capsule of Superman's time in smallville, which is, mm-hmm. it's just really cool to read that. And it totally fits with Burns' um, storyline. So, uh, yeah, pick that one up if you haven't if you haven't read that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's it. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about. Um, there's some interviews with John Byrne that you can see um, online of him talking about this. Um, one of them that I read or listened to, I can't remember. They asked him like um, what he thought or if he would do it again, uh-huh. basically if, if he could go back. And he, his words were, it was endless pain to write this. And I didn't, I wish I hadn't done it. Yeah. Says. That's, yep. I was going to bring that up too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy to me. It's like, I mean, how endless pain. Well, I mean, yeah, it would be painful to write magpie like that. I can, get, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to write that either. But dude, you didn't have to. Like they, um, he also said in another part, which is interesting is that 
there was a few things that they fought him on, like the whole uh, uh, Laura being not being able to have come to Earth. Uh-huh. They fought him on that, and they fought him on like maybe one other thing. But other than that, they let him do whatever he wanted. So I don't understand. It feels like somebody is complaining just because, just because he wants to be martyr a martyr or something. I don't yeah. understand. Well, he said a lot of it was like editorial and stuff, supposedly. Like right, part of the problem. I, I've heard him say that too. But then, yeah, like I said, I also heard him say in an interview that like they only pushed back on like a couple of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, they I, didn't let you know. just do whatever you wanted with Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they let like Frank Miller completely turn Batman on his head. So um, maybe that's what he wanted to do. But I mean, he's never. I because I listened to his interviews and he's never really said anything like earth shattering. Like I wanted to make, you know, Superman have a pact with the devil or something like right. that. Right. Like, yeah. It was all pretty like simple stuff that like he wasn't able to do so yeah i don't know i he's an interesting guy i've listened to some interviews with him but and he just seems like a yeah like anybody he's a complicated guy but yeah he did give us some really good art i love his stuff dude if you, um one of my favorites growing up was his she hulk run uh it was so good and he made her so hot and uh but it was also pretty humorous and he had a good run on uh, fantastic four and the x-men uh so yeah definitely check uh, more of his stuff out. He did an OMAC series. Did you ever uh-uh. read that? No. It was in the 90s. It was like an OMAC miniseries. Oh, really? No, yeah. I didn't even know he did that. Yeah, I, I've i seen it. I've seen the covers, but I never read it. But um, I'd like to read that to see how he does on that. He's a huge Jack Kirby guy. I watched this interview with him. He has this art room. He's got like this whole wall of like original Jack Kirby pages, dude. He probably yeah. stole them from Marvel. <laughs> After Marvel stole them from Jack. Yeah, that's probably true, dude. <laughs> What are they gonna do? Like, you can't complain. You stole it, dude. Stan has a stash of it too, dude. You know, Stan he did have a stash before he died. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, that I think wraps up the Man of Steel. Thanks for joining us this uh, week, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, if you would like. Please follow us on Instagram at Cold Storage Podcast um, on Instagram. And then if you'd like to email us with any questions, concerns, or if we got everything completely wrong, let us know at the Cold Storage Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And then we're always open to, um, we want to kind of stick to like popular storylines from the history of comics. We're not going to do anything new, so don't ask us to review any new Bendis stuff or Tom King stuff. But keep it keep it uh, 80s and before for the most part is what our plan is. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any suggestions of what we should review, hit us up. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>